It's the first Monday of the month, and we are back with a Q&A show. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 200. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Yes, you can lead. And this weekly show at the intersection of business and education will help you do exactly that. And once a month, we open up the lines to your questions. And almost always, Bonnie joins me for tackling questions. But we should probably acknowledge that this is the 200th episode here at the beginning. We didn't really plan anything special for it. However, I wanted to say thanks for all your support with the show. There's so many, I mean, I know I publicly thank you. I thank you all the time personally, but there's so many people that have written in, have um, posted reviews in the show and oh, not always, but a lot of the time your name is mentioned and I really appreciate that. <laughs> you were going to say a lot of the time they actually like you. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready for it. I was ready. I'm sort of thinking that if people don't like it either, they probably don't listen or don't post reviews, but I don't know. Oh, Maybe. no, you you don't know the internet very well, do I, you? I, I've actually, I am so grateful for the people who listen to the show. And I don't know what it is, but I have been warned many times by people who do things on the internet. Watch out for the trolls out there and the negative people. I can I can't think of a time where someone I mean maybe once or twice but it's it's been minor stuff where someone now watch we'll get like a bunch of this <laughs> the woman holding out well I was gonna say I keep waiting for these big milestone I just celebrated fifty episodes of my teaching in higher ed podcast you did and I wanted did. to have those little party blower things that make the noise and we didn't get one for that and I wanted one now but I was gonna bring in a pinwheel because Dave ordered <laughs> pinwheel we had in the United States we had our Independence Day celebration yesterday and he had ordered pinwheels for our son because that was all he could talk about and of course they come the day after but we our did, independence day we did have a bucket of glow sticks and those were extremely popular with the kids yes. at the fireworks last night so but there pin, you go pinwheels they, they're not good for audio podcasts it just would have been good for a video podcast. neither are glow sticks yeah yeah it's true there you go there you go okay so there's someone who's already saying get on with the questions <laughs> on with the show on with the show all right so here's our first question is from jignesh who's uh called in with questions before and so uh here he is hi dave this is jignesh thanks again for constantly kind of allowing me to grow by listening to your podcast every time i listen to your podcast i learn something new so i'm really really grateful for you to taking that time and helping me and many others like me i have a quick request or a question i am wondering if you would be able to share a best way to do some sort of career planning. Um, I have my own journal where I, I keep, you know, writing what my career goals are, etc., etc. And one of the things which I always happen to write every year in January is I will create a five-year career plan. And I never get to it. And today when I was reviewing my to-do list, 
it occurred to me like why this keep happening and I thought hmm maybe I don't I need a template I don't know what to do how to do uh, and then you popped up in my head and say hmm it occurred to me like maybe Dave could point me in the right direction or help me with a template which he may have used or may know of so I'll really greatly appreciate if you could consider this request uh, and can help me out in any ways um, my email address is we are not going to publish his email address to the to the internet, uh, but thank you for the question, Jignesh. And yeah, I have a few thoughts on this question. I'm sure Bonnie will as well. My first thought is that actually, um, here, here's another resource for you, Jignesh, is I just did a show on Carnegie Coach, which is the other podcast I host, uh, episode 148. So I'll put in 148, I'll put that in the show notes. And um, I articulated this process, which I've found can be a good starting point for people. So one of them is there's a book out there by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, and it is called Flow. And the the um, the main argument in the book is he talks about this state, which he calls flow, which is the the state you get in when you are just so into something you're, you're, that you're just so present with your work that you you essentially lose track of time, that you're just so, and not, excited is not the right word, but so present, so connected with what you're doing. And I think all of us can relate to having been in that situation, if not professionally, at least personally, where we're just so into something or excited or even like a hobby. And I think that doing spending some time doing some examination on where are those places for you is helpful to figure out the what's next or where do I want my career to go? Because I think to the extent that you can think about where those places are and what kinds of roles and jobs you would have that would align with that, I think that that can be really helpful. So that's a book recommendation I'd have for you and a good starting place. He also has a TED Talk, so that might be just a good place to start. I've also worked with clients many times over the years to just write a vision and I think five years is a long time to think out, frankly. Um, and so if that's helpful to you, great. But one of the things that comes to mind for me is that if you've been trying this for a long time and you mentioned this has been an ongoing goal and you haven't done anything with it, I'm, I'm sort of a big believer that if something's not working for you and you continue to put it on your task list and it's a goal and it doesn't get done, that um, maybe that's not the thing to be doing. Like maybe don't put together the five-year plan. Maybe that's not what uh, you know, this is going to be the best thing for you. If there's a reason you're resisting it, there's if you're resisting it, I should say, there's probably a reason for that. So I'm not sure that's where I'd start. I would start with something maybe shorter term. Maybe it's six months or a year. You write a vision. Um, another resource that's really helpful and was helpful to me when I was at a career point of trying to think through what I was going to do next about a decade ago before I started at Dale Carnegie was a book called What Color Is Your Parachute by Richard Nelson Bowles. I believe they still publish a version of that book every year. And that was really helpful for me. It's probably the best resource I know of. I'm sure there's others, but it's the best one I know of that really walks you through a process of thinking through your career plans. About the first half of the book is all on that. And then the second half is kind of more the logistics of like, okay, how do you go out and find a job and salary negotiation and all that. But I'd really recommend that as a resource as well. And I'm, I'm sure Bonnie will have more too. That is my number one career 
resource, as Dave mentioned, what color is your parachute? And the other one I'd like to mention is Business Model U, a one-page method for reinventing your career. Hmm. The authors of this book became famous for a one-page business model for businesses in general, and then they launched off of that to Business Model U. And it's a wonderful resource where you can almost look at yourself as somewhat of a business. It's hard to describe. You'll have to take a look at it. But we go in and we look at who are our partners, who are our, in, as we think about ourselves as a business and what kind of value that we can bring to organizations. And it's just a good way of articulating to yourself initially and then to others eventually what you're all about and what kind of value that you bring. It's another great, I would say, I'd start with Dave's first resource. There's really inexpensive and a great resource, but business model you is another great one. And Business Model Generation, their first book, is a great one if you're putting trying to put together a business plan, especially if you're kind of a visual thinker. Great way to go. All right. Thanks so much, Jignesh, for the question. Uh, the next one here. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Bonnie's. Oh, I, oh you I had was another just question. Oh, say. sorry. <laughs> As she frantically waves her hands in the air, which you can't see on an audio podcast. But uh. Our next question is from Mia. <laughs> and, and Mia's going to share with us her question on audio. Hi, Dave. I've been listening to your wonderful podcast for about six months now here in Melbourne, Australia. I've been working my way through your archive and really love the material that you put out each week. Something that happened to me recently in my job is that I actually resigned and I was looking for advice on handling that resignation and handover process in the best possible way. I think as leaders, you know, we, we manage teams and we want to make sure that our team hears the resignation announcement in a way that's as, as I guess, less traumatic for them as, as possible. And because you spend time building and molding this team, you want them to be handed over to that new leader in as smooth as way as possible. So I was wondering if you could address this in a future, in a future topic, looking at you know, what does that handover look like? What are some of the best practices in terms of sessions or documents? And how do you really resign with, with as much grace as possible so that your exit from a business can be as smooth as possible? Cheers. Thanks so much for your question, Mia. And I will say how wonderful it is that you care about having your legacy there not cause too much disruption for the company and really build that future leader's ability to influence. I think the number one thing, and Dave's talked about this in prior episodes, is to really discipline yourself to have absolutely zero criticism, even if it's veiled. And and even if it innocently is just you're trying to be helpful, no criticism about anything that's toward that moving forward. Mm -hmm. If they've made decisions that you don't agree with, or you have concerns about the leader, or people come to you, that's sometimes unfortunately an unhealthy dynamic that can happen is people do want to express their grieving and sometimes they'll come to you. You're not the right person for them to be talking to about that. So I would, I would say you have to really discipline yourself and it's, it's a completely normal thing. It is a completely normal reaction, especially you've gained some loyalty and people really care about you and they're fearful and they're used to getting to have conversations with you about their fears. They're used to you being the person that they come to and that can no longer happen. And that can be difficult because it can feel like, you're 
not being as supportive as you want to be, but ultimately by sort of leaving them where they have to go find new avenues for that is going to be ultimately the best thing. I did want to mention to people listening, I know you've already resigned, so this isn't necessarily relevant to you, but I can't avoid mentioning again, Michael Hyatt had a wonderful episode about how to quit your job really well. And it's something that I've had former students listen to. If I were going to quit my job, which I have no intent in doing, by the way, but if I were going to, that'd be my number one go-to source to do that with dignity, with respect, and with professionalism, and thinking about my own long-term and my team's long-term. I agree with all of that. And the only thing I would add is I once gave six months notice to leave a job, Bonnie. I think you know that. And so, by the way, I would not recommend that. It was a very interesting, unique situation. Um, But one of the things that just to be conscious of is when you do decide to tell your employer whenever it is that you're leaving, there's generally a period of time between that, at least there should be, of course, you always tell your employer first, there's going to be a period of time between that and when your team finds out or the people working with you. And just to know that you may have it all figured out in your mind how that's going to work and how that news is going to get communicated and who are the right people to know in the right order. And it's very likely that your employer has a different set of plans for that. And so you just need to be respectful and to um, provide advice and coaching where you can that will be helpful to the organization, particularly if there's people that for some reason need to know sooner rather than later. But just to know that that may not play out the way that you intend it to or want it to. Um, in my case, I had given notice very early to an employer and um, and then it turned out someone found out who wasn't supposed to find out. And then all of a sudden we had to tell a whole bunch of people very quickly. So it just didn't work out the way I had planned it to work out. So uh, that's just something just to know is to be conscious of that. Once you leave and you've announced you're leaving, you do give up your, you know, some of the influence you have on how that goes. So uh, for whatever that's worth, I hope it's helpful to you, Mia. Thanks so much for the question and the kind words. I really appreciate it. The next question here is from Taylor. Taylor asks, uh, she sent an email. I remember listening to a podcast where you, at least I think it was your podcast, talked about self-development. Specifically, you discuss using a task manager to help you achieve your self-development goals. I cannot remember which episode this was. If you'd be really helpful, uh, it would be really helpful if you could direct me to the right one. I would really like to send it to my father. Well, thank you, Taylor, for the question and for being so uh, willing to help out your father. Uh, I think there's a number of episodes we've talked about task management, so I'm not sure which exactly one you're thinking of. But the one that comes to mind for me is episode 151 where Tim Stringer was on, on how to be more productive. That was um, July 2014 when that show aired. That will be really helpful to anyone who's thinking about productivity and self-development. Tim in particular has a wonderful model called Holistic Productivity that's around that. Uh, And Tim's actually coming back on the show in about two or three weeks to do a follow-up on this. And we're going to have a resource for community members. So be listening for that, Taylor. We'll have more about that in the next two weeks. But one of the things I wanted to mention here is, first of all, which task manager we use. Um, Bonnie and I are both fans of a task management app called OmniFocus. And it is, um, it's a great app. It is very powerful and it, uh, it does a lot. So if you're not looking for something that's super powerful, it may not be the best solution for you. It also is only on Mac, iPhone, and iPad. So if you're not a Apple person or use Apple devices, then it's not the right solution for you because it won't work on a PC. So I actually had reached out recently to Tim Stringer, Bonnie, who both of us um, talk with regularly, and I'd asked him about what are some good resources for people who have PCs and are, uh, or just 
are on different platforms to use as far as task management services. And previously, Bonnie, we had recommended uh, Remember the Milk. I know you used that for many years. Um, Tim's advice was actually two other services that are under very active development are becoming very popular. And the two that he's recommended are Todoist. So that's T-O-D-O-I-S-T dot com, Todoist. Um, that comes strongly recommended from him. And also, I know we've mentioned this one on the show before, Wonderlist, and that's not how it uh, sounds as far as spelling. It's W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T dot com. And I'll put links to both of those in the show notes. And uh, I think Bonnie might have a thought there. Or no, you don't. You were doing all kinds of funny hand signals to me, so I wasn't sure if you were going <laughs> to say we're something We're getting more. better about planning out who's going to address which questions and when, but it's like... <laughs> Did we not talk about this before we started? All right, yeah. question. Our next question. It's a good thing this isn't a show on like communication yeah. and leadership or anything <laughs> like that. Our next question is from Jeffrey, and he says, "I've really admired the ability to use humor to diffuse tense situations, whether in the boardroom or one-on-one. It often lowers the volume of a confrontation and allows a moment for those involved to reset." How mad can you be when you're laughing? But it's also risky to use humor since the joke could fall flat or even worse, you might offend your counterparts. Do you have any resources on how I can improve my utilization of humor in these situations? You are absolutely right that there are huge upsides to humor and huge downsides. One of the things that Dave and I in all the years of coaching people in the business world have come up with time and time again, if we were going to have to bet on what's likely most likely to happen the most likely to happen thing would be that someone would try to use humor to avoid conflict that mm. would be that would be number 1 just going in if i were going to look at a situation and not know anything about it i'd say hmm a lot of times people use humor in an attempt to try to avoid having the conflict and having the real conversation. If that's something you have a tendency to do and you're able to be self-actualized enough to admit that to yourself, that's where we really want to steer away from using humor and just know that about yourself. And when you start to feel yourself doing it, avoid it at all costs. It's not helpful to the conversation. It doesn't help you have those true, candid, important conversations you need to have and also to have credibility as a leader. It doesn't help the other person because they're going to have that sense that that humor isn't authentic. It's not coming from a good place. That being said, you mentioned this. It really can be helpful. I think that probably as I think about conflict and humor that's helpful, it's self-deprecating humor from the other party. So if the other party is going to start making fun of something that I did that wasn't my greatest in the in the situation, probably not when we're at our heated moments going to be the best use of humor. But if the other says, yeah, I know I didn't do that too well, did I? Or, or some sort of shared humor around the situation that can help navigate through it because it's building up that trust to say, yeah, I'm willing to laugh at myself which is also a willingness to say that I wasn't very helpful in that situation. But that's if an apology has already been made. If I'm just using the humor and I've never actually acknowledged that I chose to do something that was not helpful in the situation, and now I'm trying to make light of it, again, not the world's best use of humor. The two words I thought of when I saw this question were self-deprecating. So I think you're on safe ground if you're pointing fun at yourself and making fun of yourself. I have often started 
a talk or a workshop or an interaction with someone where it, I'll tell a story or something that I've like really messed up, especially if I know going into the situation what we're talking about. If there's any time in my career I've done something that's like been just silly or, or stupid around that, self-deprecating humor is a great way to start off. And even if it falls flat, it falls flat and you're the only one who's potentially making yourself look silly. This next question is from Ravi. Hi, Dave. I've been listening to your podcast for the past five months. I've learned a lot. Thanks for the great advice all around. I'm facing one problem that I'm really struggling with and welcome your advice. I seem to have hit a ceiling in my career. By measure of my education and experiences, I should have been a senior management, a senior manager by now. I look around and all my friends and peers at one time, and even those behind me, have been steadily climbing the ladder, and I'm frustratingly stuck at the same place. I have received good to excellent feedback, been commended for my attitude and thinking, done more than my peers, but I'm still stuck. Any advice on what I can do? Happy to share information about my background if it will be helpful. Thanks for the question, Ravi. One of the first things that comes to mind is actually a children's book. It's called Hope for the Flowers, and I'd love for you to take a look at that if you ever have a chance. It is about a couple of a couple of caterpillars. That's what it is. A couple of caterpillars go on a little journey and see a big giant tower of other caterpillars that are all fighting to make their way to the top. It's um, not just for children though. So before oh, you tune out, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not just for children. In fact, I'd say more for adults than it is for yeah. children. It, it, it can be so hard because when we visualize work, when we visualize what success looks like so much of the time, success looks like moving up mm. and moving up means in our hierarchical world, moving up those boxes on the organization chart. Now, of course, moving up those boxes, what do the realities mean? Many times it means additional compensation. Many times it does mean additional sense of regard or high regard in our society. Some organizations have started to take those org charts and flip them on their head. And, and maybe that's, that's just a nice symbolic thing to do that doesn't actually make too much of a difference in the, in the day-to-day business. But to be thinking about what is it that makes you want to move up, I think can be very helpful. Is it truly about making additional money? Is it truly that there is in your mind somehow you're not worthy enough with the position that you do hold that can be a really dangerous thing that can actually hold you back from truly enjoying what it is that you do. It can actually hold you back from getting to that next ladder if there's that that even that bit of sort of insecurity. And to me, I, I don't buy in very well to hierarchy, so I'm probably a bad person to be giving you advice about how to move up them. But the people that I have known and worked with over the years that move up don't move directly up. They move over. And by moving over, many times it means going to other organizations and perhaps even building up some of their skills in a different industry. So if you've been in the same company or in the same industry for a while, that could potentially be holding you back from being eligible for some of these more senior positions. Now, that's a riskier endeavor. I don't tend to take a lot of risks with my career that way. But the people that I know that have moved up, they've taken risks by moving sideways. It's not always about moving up. Sometimes it's about moving sideways and getting additional, whether that's functional experience in a different functional area within a group or whether that's in a different industry. I agree with all of that. And the only addition I'd have on a real practical level, Ravi, is I've had I've had 
at least two times that I know of where I got held back from a promotion in my career. One time, it was nothing. It, it was like just an inconsequential thing where I got passed up for a promotion. And one time, it was really like a significant thing, a significant choice that the company made to pass me up. And so I guess one of the things that I'm, if, if you are in an industry and in a company that you really love and you feel like this is your place and you really do want to advance and for all the right reasons, as Bonnie was just speaking about, then I, one of the things that I would wonder for you is, is it nothing? Is it just you know chance that you haven't moved up for whatever reason or just logistics uh, of where people are in the organization now? Or is there something going on that maybe you could address slash correct if there's an issue that people either perceive rightfully or wrongly. So I think one thing maybe to consider is how could you figure that out? And there's a lot of right answers to that. And there's also some wrong answers to that. But one thing I wonder is, you know, maybe spending some time thinking through who are, who is an individual or someone who you trust in your organization or who knows your organization well that, you know, you could sit down and have a conversation with someone you know and, and trust, obviously, who maybe could help you with some insight on that and just talk through the situation and say, hey, you know, what do you think? What's um, What are your thoughts on my career path? And what are the things that I'm that are my blind spots that I'm not seeing? And I think that that might be something that would be worth spending some time doing if this is your company you want to stay with. Just figure out what's um, what's that next step. And I think in combination with what Bonnie said, pick up the book too, though. Hope for the flowers. I remember Bonnie introducing that to me years ago, and that's just a really helpful book. So hope that gets you some places to uh, to start, Ravi. Thanks so much for sending in the question. And uh, this next question is from Rajul. He emailed uh, us, Bonnie. He had listened to the episode 197, I think it was, uh, the one I said what this show is about, which was a little bit more of a retrospective, what, um, you know, why do the show, why we produce it. And uh, he said he really liked that episode. And he also asked, he was wondering if uh, you, as in me, could share a bit more about my own professional history and how I got into this career path. Uh, he says, I'm interested in exploring this area and would like to know what kind of jobs in our educational background someone in this line of work ha- has to become successful. So, um, Rajul, there's a lot of ways I could answer this question, and, and I'm not specifically sure if you're asking about like r- hosting and producing a podcast or being in the training industry or some of the other things that I've done. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to this a little more broadly. Bonnie may or may not have anything to add in here, but... I guess the one thing I would say, first of all, is that to everyone else, a lot of times when people who've had some success in their careers look at them, it seems like it's all really figured out and really structured. And my experience has been with most people is that when you ask people who are quote unquote successful, have advanced in their careers, are happy doing what they're doing, a large majority of the time, I find that it's it's not necessarily that they had it all figured out 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. It's just kind of like they made, they just, they kind of stumbled along sometimes. Sometimes they made really good decisions. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they needed to correct paths. They went down the wrong path. I think career progression looks pretty messy for most of us. And I think the assumption that every, we've all got it figured out or anyone who's successful had it all figured out um, is more of an illusion than it is truth for most people um, most of the time. There's certainly the people out there who knew you know, 20 years ago exactly where they were going to go, but I just don't think that's true for most people. There's just so many variables. So that said, 
the one thing that has stayed absolutely true for me since I started my career, even when I was was starting to interview for my first job, is I've always done something I could get excited about and that I loved and that I, I not that I was excited every day about it, but that ultimately I was really excited about what my role was in the organization and more importantly, what the organization did. As an example, uh, one of the jobs I interviewed for coming out of my bachelor's degree uh, was in a grocery company. And I was going to be, a, I think, a store manager, district manager, some, something like that. And it, it was a really good paying job. It was a great opportunity. It was a really well-known organization. And I went to, I got two or three steps through the interview process and I did like a half day interview with them where we went to all these sites and I could not for the life of me get excited about working in a grocery store. That just was not something that I had a passion for there. By the way, I, I'm not saying that's a bad, <laughs> that's a bad career move at all. I know people who are in that uh, line of work who love it and are passionate about it. And, and we absolutely need people who are passionate about that kind of work. That's just not my passion. And so I've always had the privilege of doing things in my career that I've just had a personal passion for. And I remember the first company I worked for, the the company was an education company. I worked for an after-school center helping kids learn. And the, brochure, the, the cover of the brochure said on it, at the intersection, start your career at the intersection of business and education. And I actually threw that in the intro to the show uh, this week. Some of you may have noticed. Um, but I have always thought about my career that way, of loving things that were at the intersection of business and education that that I've very much seen my role to help business people to learn and pr- and produce better results, but also help people who are passionate about learning to be better at business and producing results for their organization too. So, um, so I guess for whatever that's worth, that's what I would that's what I would recommend is find something you love to do. Uh, going back to the first question from Jignesh, find the thing where you have flow in your daily activities and. You're not going to love it every day. Uh, there are certainly days that I do not enjoy what I do, but overall, I feel really passionate about my work in the organization that the organizations I've had the chance to serve over the years. A big thanks to Bonnie. As always, I hope you found our conversation helpful and recommendations of value to you. And of course, they are all listed out on the show notes at coachingforleaders.com slash 200. If you're just listening for the first time or have just listened a couple episodes, welcome. You can find all the show notes there. And for those of you who are subscribed to the weekly leadership guide, of course, you're going to get the show notes in your inbox on Wednesday. So watch for that. And the next Q&A show is episode number 204. So if you have a question that you'd like to be have considered for that show, go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And that's the best way to submit a question. And you can uh, review it before you submit it, head it our, send it over our way. And I also uh, did was not able to get to all the questions that came in in the last couple of weeks for this show. In particular, if your name is Jessica Jeff. Aaron or Tyler, I have questions for you that I hope hopefully be able to bring in to the next show, episode 204. So hang tight if that's you. And uh, I am uh, so glad to get so many questions from our community. It's really exciting. And thank you also if you have been listening to the show for a while. And there are a number of you out there I know who have listened to every episode of this show 200 strong. 
thank you if that's you. I am so grateful for your support, and uh, Bonnie is so grateful for it as well. And uh, like I said, though, if you're picking up the show for the first time and you're not already subscribed, please do so, and you'll get new episodes every Monday. Just search for Coaching for Leaders on iTunes. Stitcher, or on any podcast app you use and subscribe there. And while you're online, please join my weekly leadership guide. It is delivered to your inbox on Wednesdays and includes my thoughts and recommendations on the best articles, podcasts, videos, and books each week that will support your development between shows. Uh, Each week, I Seek out a theme and find some resources that will be most helpful to you. It also includes a brief overview of every show I air, and a link to the full weekly show notes. So if you listen on the go like I do, that'll be helpful to you in going back and looking up the recommendations that we make on every show. And when you join the weekly leadership guide, you're going to get access to my reader's guide that lists 10 leadership books that will help you to get better results from others including brief summaries from me on the value of each of those books. It's an 11-page reader's guide, and you'll also get access right away to a nine-minute video. So that'll come to your inbox as soon as you join. In order to do that, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and that will get you access to all of those. So thank you in advance if you do join the weekly leadership guides. And also a big thank you this week to... Debbie here in the States and Taji, I hope I'm saying your name right, in the Philippines for the very kind reviews that you left on iTunes. Thank you so much. It is so helpful for the show, for more people to continue to discover it. For those of you who have written reviews, and thank you to all of you who have done that over the last four years. I'm so grateful. If you'd like to post a review as well, it's a huge help to this community. Go to iTunes at coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes, or if you use Stitcher, coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher. And thanks again for your support. Next week, a guest back. It'll be a lot of fun. I hope you join us again and have a fabulous, fabulous week. Take care.